0: fast today because we've got a lot to cover and you know I've been more time conscious than I've ever been in my whole life and, and I think it's been shocking to some people in fact Dan, didn't you mention Dan just the other day the, two or three Sundays ago when the clock quit working you said oh no we've been here before you know like there's no clock but uh, uh, we do have a lot to cover and I, I want to, I like to respect folks time to uh, uh, be able to have a, 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 a lunch together where you don't feel so rushed. But I do want to spend uh, some time today in the word of God. We've got several scriptures to look up and I hope that you have your Bible so you can look them up with me. If not, we'll be reading uh, several passages. But... Uh, it's about walking circumspectly, and God has given me a real burden. Uh, f- for those of you that don't know, uh, and the folks that are here all the time, I know you may you know, say, I've heard th- this, this before, but you know, I have a burden for what I'm about to preach because I've been in the ministry full-time, 47 years plus. I mean, April was 47 years. Full-time in the ministry, and um, through, through those years, I have actually uh, observed Christians that name the name of Jesus Christ really be what I would call a detriment, uh, would harm the cause of Christ because of their demeanor or because of their behavior. And... Um, one quick example was when I served on the board at Baytown Christian Academy. I was uh, a, a board member there and uh, we lived in that area. We lived down on Tri-City Beach Road for uh, five years or so. And I was in uh, a store and it was a smaller. It was a decent sized store, but it was a smaller. It wasn't as big as Walmart or Kroger's or things like that, but it uh, so I heard this commotion going on in there with this person, this customer, just really chewing out this clerk. And I mean, it was it was it was a it was a noise. It was a commotion. It was like, what's going on over here? It wasn't like a robbery or anything. It was it was a commotion. And so it caught my attention enough that I kind of walked to the end of the aisle and I looked around just to see what was, I mean, what was going on. And this woman had her finger wagging in this guy's, this poor clerk. I mean, just absolutely chewing him out in the store publicly. And she was a teacher at Baytown Christian Academy. And I thought, this is a Christian woman that is out there in the public, and she's really doing harm, I believe, to the cause of Christ. And it was very, very alarming to me, shocking to me. And that's just one event. Uh, we've actually had people mention to us. Linda's the writer, I'm not. Uh, but she we've had folks mention to us. We ought to record, we ought to write, we ought to journal all the different stories that we have about the things that have happened through our ministry and through, you know, times working with people and all the different crazy things that that come up with people. I mean, it's just absolutely shocking if you weren't so used to it. I mean, it's just like... I. It doesn't surprise me anymore what people, I mean, when my sons had the feed store, people that were ex-members of this church would come in because they wouldn't have the feed that they had ordered literally would use vulgar language against my sons and they had been on the church roll at this church in the past. So it's just like, what in the world? So If you're you're wondering, what is this message about? It's about how we live our life before the lost people that are out there. And somebody might say, well, I don't care what they think. Well, you better care what they think. You better care what they think because God has a lot to say about what, how we live our life before lost people. And it's important how we live it how obedient we are to our Lord in front of them, how we relate, how we relate to others and especially the lost community, the lost people out there. I think they need to see us in a, I mean, I understand personalities and I understand some people are more um, outgoing, but they need to see a genuine joy in the life of the believer That you are actually enjoying the ride. And the ride may be bumpy. And it may be absolutely disastrous. But they can still see something in you. And it's called the grace of God, by the way. They can see the grace of God being lived out in your life. And you receiving that grace. And it's supernatural. That's a spiritual thing that's happening in your life. They need to see that. But I'm convinced... I am so convinced that probably they don't need as many words from you and from me. They need to see genuine character in life. We can, walk, we can talk about a bunch of things and we can say a bunch of things and we can tell, you know talk a good talk, but they need to see it in action when, like the old boy said, when the rubber meets the road. They need to see it. They need to see it. How we relate. How we're enjoying the ride. They need to see a difference. I believe they need to see a difference between their lost buddies and the church. They need to be able to see a distinct difference that would cause them to want to at least investigate and consider Christ for their Savior. I think that's very very important. So we only have a limited amount of time. Uh, Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Number our days. We need to be alert that we only have so much time. You start at salvation. You've got an appointment with death apart from Jesus coming for his bride. But You've got a certain number of days, and we need to take full advantage. Look at, uh, if you will, in your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> 5, 15, and 16. Now, I've heard some great sermons on redeeming the time. There are, there are Bible studies on redeeming the time. So we're not going to get into that so much, but I I just want to uh, put these two together. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, buying up the time. I've heard that buying up the time, being alert to the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Would you agree the days are evil? Would you agree that evil is all around us? Would you agree agree that it's difficult to look anywhere out on the freeway or the highway or in a store without just being bombarded by evil? It's everywhere. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we trust you now. To do something special in all of our hearts. And we know that whatever gets done, it's going to be done by you. And I pray that we would see a change in our attitude, a change in our behavior, and that it would be for your glory and for your honor, so that not for us to pat ourselves on the back and brag about how we've changed. But we would point to you on our knees and on our face saying you have changed us. And you get all the praise and all the glory. And we're very grateful, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. And we trust you to teach us and show us more about yourself. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So... Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, being careful of the time. Uh, You can look up a couple of uh, resources for uh, definition, circumspectly. Um, Be careful. Be careful how you walk. That's that's one consideration. Be careful. Walk in a prudent manner. Uh, Discreet manner. Uh, consider all the circumstances, and and I like this. Consider all the circumstances and all the possible consequences to your actions. I I really kind of like that. Consider all the circumstances, but and all the possible consequences to your action. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wives, because the day redeeming the time, because the days are certainly evil. Now, Colossians, turn to Colossians real fast. Colossians 4, Colossians 4, verse 5, Walk in, isn't this amazing, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. All right, I want you to think about this, and if you don't have that highlighted, or if you mark in your Bible, or whatever, or you make notes, you need to make, make spirit, careful note of this. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Toward them that are without. Now, with that in mind, keep keep your finger there or whatever and turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I've, you know, in years past, I've pointed this out, but it's been a while actually since I've I've uh, pointed this out, so it's exciting to kind of refresh my memory of it, and I've, hopefully it'll be enlightening for you and encouraging to you. But as we, as we think about qualifications for pastor, elders, uh, I'm just going to read these, but the main point I'm going to try to uh, highlight is in verse 7. This is a true saying, If a man desire the office of, of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Notice it says blameless, not perfect. The husband of one wife. We could could chase that rabbit, but we won't. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker. "...not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with gravity, all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil?" Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Now, are you seeing the Colossians verse and this one together? Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. This is extremely important. If God says, if you're going to have a pastor If you're going to have an elder, he's got all these qualifications, all these things. We've heard messages, we've preached messages, not going line by line on this. What I'm trying to point out is this verse 7. He must have a good report or a good name of them which are without. Now, what does that mean? Very simply, that's really the. Only I know how to do things. But you have the church. Those are the ones within. And then you have those that are lost outside of the church. They are considered by in Scripture as without. So notice Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall uh, into reproach and the snare of the devil. Then back to Colossians 4. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Okay, so the ones that are without are the, those that are lost, they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are, they are on their way to eternity in hell. And the Scripture says that we should walk in wisdom when we're dealing with them. And if you're going to have an elder pastor, an elder or a pastor, and the combination of pastor-elder, If you have that, they need to have, should have, if you're going to meet these qualifications, a good name with those not just in the church, not just those in the body of Christ. He needs to have a good name in the community. He needs to be recognized as a person that's got his behavior, He's got a, a, a good name in the community. He pays his bills. He's got a good reputation. <clears throat> it's important. Those are that are without. The scripture is very clear. Um, they're lost. They're on their way to eternity in hell. And, and we have a responsibility to be exemplifying Christ-like character in front of them. Not perfection, we're not going to attain that, but we need to be, we need to be so different that they would notice a real difference in a good way. Uh, Proverbs 22, one: a good name is rather to be design, chosen than great riches. A good name. It's important that that Christians have a good name. They conduct themselves before the lost. They have character before the lost. Their name is a good name in the, in the community. They have a good reputation. In other words, very simply, they pay their bills. They're honest. They keep their word. Little things like that. And I'm even going to go further and say, I think they're... I, I re- and and maybe this maybe this is a little more speculation on my part but i do believe i have a little bit of proof but i do believe that christians as a whole come across to the lost community as as tightwads huh I mean, let's just think about the area of tipping. You know, uh, and I'm not saying, uh, please, I hope y'all, is anybody going to get mad at me for this? I mean, I don't need anybody else mad at me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's so wonderful to see y'all here today. I'm happy for family camp, but y'all just don't know what a poochie lip I have on family camp because, you know, it's pretty, pretty, uh, the seats are pretty uh, open uh, for family camp. But where was I? Uh, But tipping even, I think that I, I do think that that's important to be not overboard, not crazy, but at least meet the, the minimum when you tip. I mean, I appreciate being frugal. I appreciate being a good steward. I appreciate all that, but don't come across like a beggar, like always trying to. Talk somebody down out of, their, out of their fees. You know, it, it's so important, these things. I know, I know it's important to get the best deal. I understand that. But there comes a point that, you know, it's... it's listen, we've, we've got a soul. And I'm not saying, please... I, I'm not saying that just because you're a generous tipper, that's going to mean somebody's going to end up in heaven. But I am going to say, because you come across, and the church many times comes across, so just miserably tight, that I think that really turns a lot of people off. So there's a balance. I understand that. I think there needs to be a balance, but I think people need to know that you appreciate their service and appreciate their work. So you keep your word. You uh, deal with lost business people, uh, your yard man, if you have one, and hopefully you've got your kids grown up to be your yard men, people, Um, even police officers. I mean, you know, you can't imagine what kind of You know, I mean, I've literally when I was on HPD, I catch people speeding out of the parking lot, you know, church parking lot, racing to the nearest restaurant. And, you know, and, you know, they wouldn't even give me a track to or even witness to me about Jesus. I mean, they were just so ready to be first in line. And it just I I, it's just important, folks. I mean, we could have the invitation right now, I think. I mean, we could just. I think I think our witness is a lot more than just dressing up in a suit on Sundays. And I'm going to tell you what, I'll just be really honest with you. And I know that somebody says going to be offensive, offend somebody. But I get out of this suit as quick as I can. It's more than that. I want to. I want to give. I, I. I understand. I appreciate giving the. Give dressing for the best for the Lord on the Lord's day. I get it. But I'm going to tell you, there's more to Christianity. There's more to Christianity than putting on a tie and a coat, coming to church, standing there and singing. Amen. And and pe- I sang in the pulpit. <laughs> Whoa! Now that. It is getting really wild around here, I'm telling you. Y'all, look, if I promise to do that again, will y'all come back? <laughs> I mean, it, oh, yeah, look at there. Well, I that's about as much as I can do right now. But so, but listen, it is, do y'all, are y'all getting the point? I mean, is this, do I need to say any more? I mean, There's a little bit more to say, but, um, but it's, but it is, um, uh, I have a real concern that our everyday life is a standout. It's different than than anybody else. When, When we have encounters, and we all have encounters, we're all going separate ways. We're going different places. We're doing different things. We've got different assignments. But listen... You know we had a guy here we lived here next door, we lived here nineteen years, okay And uh before this building, and so this guy he was uh, working with he was a juvenile officer and he was working with with uh, youth and um, and he came and he had on this I mean this gaudy looking outfit, suspenders. And I, I like suspenders, really, but, uh, you know, uh, they help. Uh, but this guy was being sarcastic, and he said, I dressed up for you. And he, and he literally told me this. He said, I believe you've got to act like them, dress like them, be like them to reach them. That was his approach. You got to look like them, you got to act like them, you got to be like them to reach them. And that was his view on outreach to the lost. But, folks, listen what is tragic and what is so frightening in today's church is that there's really a lot of times not much difference between the lost people's language and the vulgarity and the cursing and using the Lord's name. Using the Lord's name. And you say you're a Christian out there and you're using the Lord's name not because you're witnessing, because you are using slang And now, of course, I mean, if you dare say abstain from alcohol, I mean, and I'm so glad I don't do Facebook. I'm so glad, but I hear stories of people that take a stand against alcohol. They get lamb blasted by so-called Christians over people saying you should abstain from alcohol. But cussing, drinking, dressing less... Blend in more, act more like the world. Listen, folks, 50 years ago, just go back 50 years ago, when a man got saved, guess what? He was probably drinking and he was probably cussing, and he was probably smoking, and he was probably chewing, and when he got saved, and Jesus touched him, and Jesus changed his life, guess what he did? He put all that stuff down. He turned away from it. He turned from it, but now There are so-called Christians that are saying, oh, it's fine to do all this stuff. I mean, there's no... No, it's not fine to do that stuff and to live like that. Bad, worldly language and music and alcohol. People got saved. They turned from that stuff. And that's what's so disappointing today That there are people defending their position by participating in that. We talk like the lost. We use vulgarity like the lost. We laugh at ugly things like the lost. They need to see a difference, they need to see someone that's genuine. You know, I really, really appreciated some of you that didn't get to be here last Sunday afternoon. We had a really special time, I think. I think it was a special time. Because what I what I expressed last week was, I feel like a missing link in, in church is that we're really, you know, we walk up and we say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, high five. Everybody's hunky-dory. But you just had the worst week of your life. And... And we're, we're, we don't share. We don't share that we're hurting. We don't share that we've got an ache in our stomach. I was trying to explain to someone, and I, and I hope y'all will understand, but y'all can't imagine. I mean, I, I have weeks just like other people, and sometimes it's even a lot worse than other people, but, but I, have, I have our week. You can't imagine what it's like To be expected to be able to get up here week after week after week after week and be on top all the time, be Mr. Personality all the time, and and be, you you know, the car salesman all the time. You know, you just can't imagine because there are times, there are times that I've sat over there in that chair and thought, I don't think I can even get up. I don't know that I can even get up today. Folks, we need to be transparent with each other and honest with each other. We need to not criticize. not think. You know, this is what the prophet motivated person. Well, there's probably a lot of discipline going on in his life. You know, he's just getting chastised by God. He's getting what he deserves. Now, we ought to be a little more compassionate with each other. The lost people need to see I think they need to see a church that's real and a church that's honest and a church that's genuine and a church that's different. And it stands out from the the world and the world's lifestyle, the way the world lives. I think they need to see Christ's character. They need to see the vine and the branch. They need to see Christ living his life through us. We need to walk circumspectly. Let me move on hastily. W. E. Vine says the word circumspect or circumspectly is means walk carefully. Walk carefully among the lost. John MacArthur, and you know I, I I love him. I've got a set of commentaries. I don't agree with all the doctrine, and that's okay. I've kind of gotten to the point where I understand there are going to be a lot of different views, and and I've experienced that, so it's okay. It's not a problem. But I love a lot of the things he writes, and so he wrote uh, on circumspect, walk accurately or precisely with care. And so... He goes on to say, to live morally is to live wisely. Biblically, and I thought this was good, not as a fool, remember? Biblically, a fool is not so named because of intellectual limits. Y'all, I want you all to hear that, and I want you to get that. In the Bible, when it's referring to a fool, it's not, he's not so named a fool because of his intellectual limits. But because of unbelief and his horrible, wicked deeds outlined in Psalm 14, 1 and Romans 1 and 22. He lives apart from God. He lives against the law of God. Proverbs one and it, just all the verses. You can look them up. And he can't coho- comprehend truth. He doesn't understand truth. He doesn't get it. Certainly, he writes, believers are to avoid behaving like fools. Walk in wisdom. Living our life as we look at life from God's perspective and not just from ours, because we can we can just about make anything justified. We can just about make anything justified and find scripture to back up our position. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. There needs to be a good report of them which are without. In other words, the elder. The preacher needs to have a good name among the lost. So we walk accurately, precisely, carefully, especially before the lost. And of course, I I mean, I can't put this little P.S. in there. If what I've seen in church for 47 years is any indication, this is what we do to each other in church. I can't imagine what we do to the lost people out there. I mean, seriously. <laughs> we can never do better than just obeying the Scripture. Very practically, and I, I'm, I'm stewing, uh, getting ready to do another sermon on unity because it's just such a part of the Bible. But they need to see a church unified. They need to see the unity of the body of Christ. They need to, uh, every church split, I, do, I believe it's just in so harmful to lost people. When they see Christians that can't get along and they see that, I think it's so detrimental to lost people. They say, I can get, we get along better at the Kiwanis Club. They need to see forgiveness in action. Listen, there's a whole lot of forgiving to do, I can tell you. They need to see our love for each other. They really need to see that. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, John 13, 34. By this, what? By the love that we have for one another. They'll know that we are his disciples. They need to see us enjoying ourselves. So I've, I, years ago, I came up with a little uh, saying about, you know, our, our lifestyle, our, our Christianity. Either we're a cactus or we're a honeycomb. And I can tell you from experience, there's been plenty of cactuses out there. And I don't think they're helping the cause of Christ. I think they're driving more people away than they're drawing. We ought, to be, we ought to be drawing people because they see Christ living his life in us. They need to see something genuine. They need to see us full of joy when we're in pain, when we're hurting. They need to see, look, I'm not talking about just a, an optimistic person. I'm talking about a person who is deeply, deeply trusting in God no matter what the circumstances are. I mean, the circumstances can be, and some of you are there, you've been there, it can be so, you can't even describe it. And there's nobody on earth that can really understand it. But people, lost people, need to see when we're there, in that deepest, darkest valley, that I'm not trusting in any one but my Heavenly Father. It may look terrible. I may have the worst outlook. There must be the worst things going on, and everybody knows it, but my trust, I'm not giving up on trusting my Heavenly Father. Through the hardest of times, through the most difficult of times, and they need to hear that. They need to see that. The scripture talks about it in First Thessalonians 5:16. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. People, you know, I've heard people say, I'm trying to figure out the will of God. You know what? There are times you just do a good concordance and you'll find several things that are just very obvious. And scripture says, and this is the will of God. Rejoice, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We've all heard sermons, good sermons, on knowing the will of God. But it's it's very simple, actually. Stop wasting valuable time. We only have so much. You know, there are just some practical things. Practical things that lost people need to see. They need to see us obeying Scripture. And through our time in the ministry, we've seen people disobey Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We've seen that. In fact, we, you know, some of you will remember the story and it's a true story where uh, this lady uh, was the head of the women's missionary organization in the Southern Baptist Convention. And she, it was real funny. I mean, we have our order of service here and well, I mean, she she wanted to make missionary announcements from the women's mission to WMU. Anybody know what WMU? The WMU. She wanted to do that before anything else. I mean, before the preaching, before any. I mean, she she wanted to be right there when people were wide awake. And uh, but she asked us to go visit her husband. And so she said, my husband's lost said, your husband's lost? She said, yes, he's lost. And I said, "Um, well, you were saved early. Didn't anybody tell you that you're not supposed to marry lost people? She said, yeah, I was told. And some of you that have been around for a while, you remember this line. She said, I was told, but I just had to have him. And you know me, I was young and... I said, well, you got him. You got him. So we went to the door, and I'm not going to tell you, but I'm just going to say, went to the door, knocked on the door, had a deacon with me, and the son answered the door, and I'm not going to say, but he had a very, very ugly thing that he held up. Now, they knew we were coming. And she was so embarrassed and then the guy oh, answered the door, and we went and waited to him. He wouldn't. He wouldn't respond. The, the lost people need to see us doing things that are scriptural. You know, they need to. They need to see it. They need to see it in action. That you actually believe this book, and you believe it so much that you're going to do what it says. It's not just agreeing intellectually. You actually are going to agree in, with your life. <clears throat> So there are all kind of things that lost people pick up on. And, and again, I do. I do understand. And please, I am compassionate. I do understand government outreach. But you know what the Lord said to me this week as I was preparing and thinking about all this? Government outreach. Well, what did the Israelites think about the Egyptians' government out- outreach? I mean, you know, I think it was pretty, pretty tough. And then there are true stories. All you've got to do is do a little bit of research. There are true stories around the world, Christians, <clears throat> where the government has cameras in the building, and you know when they pray, and when they sing, and when they preach. You know they'll say, "Oh, you can't do that." And they'll come in and snatch the preacher, snatch people, take them. They'll they don't know they don't ever see them again. They'll never see them again. They don't know where they went. And then they come in with dozers and and demolish the building. I mean. I, I would call that government overreach. Um, taken to prison, no trial, no, you know, no, n- n- no lawyers. I mean, nothing. They just go to prison. And and here at the church in America, you know, our big, big, big mega churches, you know, bowling alleys, coffee shops, uh, you know, bookstores. I mean, you know, it's all there and i really believe that the church in america is so spoiled but and they and they are like drawing gigantic crowds they are drawing gigantic crowds but i'll just be really i just want to be honest and not like proud or boastful i don't i don't want to be a part of those crowds i I don't want to be a part of trying to get the loudest band and have to have drums where you have the, the plexiglass around it to keep the sound down and you know and the the dancers and and all the hoop lolly. I just I, I I just don't think that's honoring to the Lord. And so yeah, this is probably about it as far as size. I don't see a, a huge number of people flocking and beating down our doors. To come sing hymns, you know, and uh, and it it just so it's just I mean, but I, I think here's what I think when they talk to some of you, though, in and in your neighborhoods and in your families and you're out there, they see something different in your life. They know, they know something's going on in your life that's different. And I'm here to say, as your pastor, been your pastor for a long time and known a lot of your different trials and situations, I'm telling you, I'm very encouraged by your Christ like behavior in the crisis. I'm encouraged by your Christ like behavior in the crisis. <clears throat> Christians suffer. Um, you know, I, I told this story one time, the only once I've, I remember. But uh, I had uh, we've got a little poodle, still have a little poodle. We've had one, you know, the, they they age and die. I hadn't gotten there yet, but they um, they they get a certain age and they die. So we keep got, getting another poodle. So we have i had a poodle. We have found a groomer in Madisonville. And uh, so uh, come to find out, long story short, I'll, I'll cut this part short. Uh, she, she had attended an out-of-state funeral of her husband's grandchildren that were two of them were killed in a car wreck. And so she was still emotionally, sh- you know, just shaking when I came in that day a- after the funeral and after a, a week or so. And I, told, I just kind of just preached a little message there, and I just said, you know, I tell our church all the time, you know, we really don't need to sweat the small stuff. We really don't, because there's always something bigger than some of the things that we latch on to, and we, you know, we're going to go to our grave fighting for this cause. And I'm going to tell you, God knows how to just take you to a place where you where you say, you know what, I get it. There are bigger fish to fry than my little complaint. So I, I said, I had a, I said, I just say, don't sweat the small stuff. Well. I left after doing that, walked into our little Honda and I'm cranking our little Honda in front of her shop and the Honda wouldn't start. And so as the spiritual giant that I am, I grabbed a hold of the steering wheel and I'm twisting, nothing, nothing. And I'm saying, okay, now she's watching. I know she's looking out, seeing me not go anywhere. And uh, she just heard a sermon on don't sweat the small stuff. And so I uh, I, I'm saying to myself, don't sweat the small stuff. Now, Rod, just don't sweat the small stuff. It's okay, You know, nothing. Okay, Lord, I can just envision a wrecker swooping in, picking it up, carrying it off. And she's watching. She's watching my response. Don't sweat the small stuff. And I think finally, when the Lord finally got through I reached in my pocket and realized I had the wrong key. I had my Chevy truck key trying to start a Honda. And I stuck the Honda key in there and that thing started right up. That's just so amazing. <laughs> you know, it was incredible. But I had to get past, don't sweat the small stuff. One last story. And then we're going to have an invitation. And this was told to me by my son, Rod Edwin. He either heard this story by a preacher or he read it. I'm not sure exactly. But in this tribal, this tribe of natives, uh, they had missionaries and some of the natives had gotten saved. And of course, you know, in these cultures, we don't I don't think we appreciate the shunning and the the you know the aggression toward you know christians in in a setting like that so they were really catching it bad but then a fire big fire happened and all their children burned to death and the witch doctors over there are going oh you're god see what happened you say you're trusted in your god and look what he did he burned up all your kids and they broke out in song And they sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. And they sang and they sang and they sang. And folks, I'm going to tell you, the lost need to see a real Christian in action. And I'm telling you today could be the day to change, to change The missionary approach out of our church, it could change if we would all commit to just being genuine, obedient, loving, forgiving, unified, strong together, caring. If they could actually see Christ living his life in us. It's going to take some courage, gonna take some strength, gonna take some faith. But I'm convinced God won't still in the saving business, and there are more people to be saved. But I am I will go to my grave believing the greatest witnessing tool that we'll ever use is our changed behavior as we are doing what God has commanded us to do in scripture and the lost people see the difference. They need to see a difference in us. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to do whatever is necessary in us to change us. We came here. I, I'm, I'm assuming you've driven, you've paid the money for your gasoline. Uh, you just, you, you came here with determination to let God speak to you. And I hope he has, but it's only, it's only God who can do what needs to be done here today. I can, I've done everything I can do. I preached this sermon, but now it's up to each one of us. Are we going to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and obey Christ? We're going to follow Him. We're going to do what He says. And we, are we going to make a difference in, in the life of a lost person that we rub shoulders with, maybe through business, through contacts, through shopping, whatever it is, They need to see Jesus Christ living his life in and through us. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God, for the power of it. We thank you that you intend to change lives. You're there to change lives. Your grace is sufficient to change lives. And I pray that your people, all of us, preachers, elders, members, all of us, would surrender completely today and let you do the necessary changing that needs to take place in our hearts and lives so that we would be very obedient to you, loving, and that people could see a real difference in us in the way we live our lives and the way we communicate with people out out of the world, that they could see a real Christian in action. I pray that we'd learn to walk circumspectly. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.